0: Welcome back to Gojo and Golik, Mike Golik Jr. My father, Mike Golik Sr., has left his post. He's going to make coffee right now in the middle of the show because he's deeply unprofessional. Put him on camera. He doesn't want to be on camera. That's my father's empty seat right now. Let everybody know he's vacating his job. Look at him go over there grabbing his coffee here, which is a good time, actually, because me and Jesse need to discuss something before we get to joe flacco and a little bit of uh, age-related beauty as he gets ready to head into maybe leading the browns to a super bowl at this point i don't know jesse we were all blown away this morning looking up i'm a kind of reformed sneaker head mm-hmm. i used to spend a lot of time in the drop scene back when it was not over and corrupted by bots and I understand what it's like to wait in a line or to wait up for a specific time for a sneaker that's some weird collaboration that's trying to get everybody hot and bothered. I didn't know that this was going to be a thing. So Stanley, who makes the the cups that have become very popular, especially among the TikTok crowd, Jessie's got a Stanley mug right there on her desk in the DraftKings studio. They released today a limited edition Starbucks cup at select Target locations. There are about 35 or 40 of these per location, and Target's opened early to sell these cups. They sold out almost instantly, and the cups are now reselling for over $200, it appears. Jesse, you own one of these Stanley cups here. Is it anywhere near worth what's going on right now?
2: Absolutely not. Okay, so here's the cup. It's a great design. It's quite large. Um, the design's fantastic because it fits in your car cup holder, which which is really nice but yes. and as you can see I have a boring gray one because I don't care about the color of it I mean I they sell cool colors I guess but it's like uh, it's just a cup this is insane these people <clears throat> there's videos of them rushing into the targets to get the cups people are being trampled like it's it is full Black Friday madness people dashing inside to get these cups yeah, no, I, I, um, I fully don't understand it, and I think that if you waited in line at 4 a.m. to get a pink Stanley Cup, you should reevaluate your life. That's just. I have I'm a thinking. question.
1: Yeah. I have a question. in The back yeah. of the room here, okay? Ask question. Sure. What the hell are we doing? I mean, are, aren't there other cups that look exactly the same that do exactly the same thing? Why? that that have the the and and I'm I'm with you Jesse you need that bottom to be small enough to fit in your car cup holder or it's a complete waste mm-hmm. but there are other cups out there stanley doesn't make the only cup that does this right so i'm trying yeah. to figure out why i i don't and then to stand in line mike you are a sneakerhead and you go online to get these things shift that now say and you're in the 100 and whatever some pair of shoes you have, say you had to wait in line for at least four hours for any of those
0: shoes, would you? Haven't you done that? So I wouldn't because I'm averse to lines and I don't care that much, but I understand. Like, I I was tangent to a culture that did a lot of this in the sneaker, and what I will say is, at least people buying sneakers can point to the fact. Now a lot of people do them because they're they're hype beasts and they want to keep up with what's cool, and that's generally what drives all of this, right? This perception of cool or this idea that status is associated with having this mug. That is what social media has done for this mug. Seriously? It's why the Stanley people have made so much money. Yes, I I, I truly think <clears throat> at this point it is the seeing this over and over again, repeated to you by people that you trust and see on social media, is this idea. Oh, I have to have this thing, which is what happened with sneakers. But I can at least say at the core of that sneaker buying used to be part of a culture it used to be tied into things that actually had deep meaning to people and and had connections like this is a cup this is a cup you drink water out of it does not have any of those things it does not have any of the same background it is a total fabrication it is total hype created to i guess make the stanley people a bunch of money which kudos to them for getting the bag you only could talk me into this if you did it with the print of the starbucks holiday cups this valentine's day stuff does nothing for me the pink cups of the heart but if you gave it the print of the starbucks holiday cup now all of a sudden i might holler at you but but
1: jesse this can't be long lines right because if they only have 30 or 40 of them wouldn't you, if you went there to stand in line and you saw 50 people in line, why
2: the hell would you stay in line? I mean, because if you know these stores only... If you watch the video, people are not, the rules of society have gone out the window. because Oh, they, they're running in, I got gotcha. you. The door's open and they're they're all running okay. in like Black Friday style. It's like Black Friday. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so all
1: right, I get you now. I, I, And that's another dumb thing that the store, why, why would you create that mass hysteria? If you're in line, you're in line. You know, you're number one. You're not. I, 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 you're asking for trouble just opening doors for one specific item. You know, we we keep bringing up Black Friday. People are going in to shop for a ton of things. Then, but if they're going in for one thing, my God, make the line for that one thing. That's ridiculous.
2: Um, people are for that. Do you see oh what's God. happening here too? We have a guy in this video. Now, videos are coming out. The debauchery is reaching new levels. This guy's jumping over the counter and stealing them, I guess. He found out they were reselling for over $200. He's jumping over the counter and grabbing Uh, a box of them.
0: is that counter jump going to top the counter jump that we saw yesterday in the courtroom where yeah. someone oh. that was on trial in Vegas tried to wow. jump the stand? Because that was Troy Polamalu at the line of scrimmage. I'm glad the judge is okay, and yes. we can only talk about this yes. because yes. the judge is okay. But that was the leap heard around the world yesterday. This target Stanley Cup wanter is going to have to come way more correct than that because we've already got first team all pro in diving.
2: yeah. It's just Yeah,
0: that was. And, and and he didn't try to
1: clear the bench. He cleared it, that nope. guy. And you're and you're right. We're glad everybody's okay. Dude got over the top. But I'm and listen, He's not getting I, I'm not saying down. that my that that my generation didn't have things that resold. And a lot of times you buy it to resell it. Hell, you know, with you Mike with the Pokémon cards early on, the Beanie Babies. You know, there's always something that was that collector's item that you wonder why you know it was then all of a sudden it's worth one of these that you bought for what 39 bucks is worth ten thousand
2: dollars the princess diana po-
0: beanie baby was supposed to pay for college that was supposed yeah. to be a the pokey one what yeah. a pokey what Pokemon <laughs> you call it a pokey
2: man
1: po- that's a card right
2: no it's I, a I pokemon said, i said pokemon didn't No, I? you said pokey <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, that's my fault. <laughs> Pokemon. Uh, yeah, that's it. Mock an old guy, Pokemon. Jesse. Mock an old guy. Really not. Ree, you feel good about yourself? Yes. Mock an old it, man. You know, my parents Shamer. do
2: the same thing, and I just love it. It's like it's like it's, uh, when people, no, I'm not going to say old people, when people not of my generation <laughs> call it Chipotles, <laughs> it gets me every time.
0: Chipotle. Uh, it, it,
1: it, yeah. No. I'm, you, I'm you, done you, speaking you, you with you, it. Jesse. Done.
0: You you did it right this is all insane and chaotic this is the flashpoint for me that feels like oh i'm the one that's getting old now i'm the one that's being left behind because i look at this and i go what the hell are these people all thinking that being said this exact kind of age discrepancy is what's going on inside one of the most successful locker rooms in the nfl right now uh jesse as we're getting ready for the postseason here joe flacco is probably trying to come to grips with a lot of the same stuff especially as someone who shock dropped into this team in the middle of the season
2: yeah I mean the NFL writers really outdid themselves with this storyline it is just chef's kiss he has a really good sense of humor about being the old guy you know again he's 38 years old he's not old for the earth but he's definitely old for an NFL locker room and uh, he was talking about how it's felt lately to be thrust back into the locker room with a bunch of you know 22 and 23 year olds
3: you can tell like that people look at you guys look at you a little bit differently just because of the fact that I've played. This is the 16th year that I've been in this league. And you can tell that guys look at you a little bit differently just because of that. I mean, I'm dealing with you know, I I always say it, if I messed up in high school, I mean, I could be these kids' dads, you know. It's like, uh, it's, it's, so there is, you know, there's something that, you know, they probably do look at me a little bit differently just because of that. Uh, To get a sense of what kind of impact, who knows. um, I'm just being myself and trying to help them win games. And I think when you're yourself, that's the best chance you have to impact people. So hopefully I've had something.
2: Okay, so he's turning 39 on January 16th. So, yeah, he is. There's one other 38-year-old on the team, and then everybody else is the oldest person is, like, it's a super young team, the oldest person. It's mostly, yeah. like, 23-year-olds, basically.
0: It's Well, it, he talked about it, the line of demarcation, It's where, and he made the joke about it, if I messed up, I could have been one of these kids' dads. He's across that line of demarcation where I always, like, joke, it's funny when your friend group starts trying to get pregnant on purpose instead of avoiding it at all costs. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that's kind yeah. of where Joe Flacco has found himself in yeah. this conversation. Dad, we remember, was the, was it a primetime game against the Jets that they played over the holidays where we had those shots of Joe Flacco? It looked like falling asleep on the sideline. Oh, yeah. Because as my mom pointed out, it was the first primetime game that he had played since coming back. Joe Flacco was up past his bedtime. Everybody saw it. It was so wonderful and endearing. So uh, he come back and has played with the reckless abandon of a guy who knows he is just taking away from much needed sleep.
1: It's amazing now, too, where we've we've shifted in generation, even the younger generation as well. We're not afraid to admit we all go, you know, you guys go to bed at 8 or 9 o'clock. You know, nobody's like, no, I'm up till midnight. No, you're not. You, you go to bed. You go to bed early, you know, whether you're in your 30s or, like me, in your 60s. And it, it was funny, him sitting on the bench, looking like he was falling asleep uh, for a night game. But you know what? I mean, from going to the, the actual of what he's doing in Cleveland, he's playing really well. But for a chaotic quarterback situation, remember, there the, he's the fourth quarterback. What he is, Mike, is a is a steady hand a reliable hand for that offense where and Joku has jumped up. He's made the Pro Bowl. Uh, even when you lost Nick Chubb, the running game's still going. You have, have Amari Cooper on the outside. You have an incredible defense. And listen, you're not anywhere without that defense. So it's right. all working together, but the quarterback position wasn't. And he's come in, and he's become a 38-year-old steady hand that can still produce
0: i i'll even go a step further he's made plays like he's not just going out there and handing the ball off and getting them through it this guy's been hitting strikes downfield he's been chucking darts out there at certain junctures for this team in a way that feels like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop constantly and we saw that a bit in the three interception game he had that they ultimately still won and so it's just been amazing and we're at the point now where he has done so well. Joe Flacco is getting to rest as he probably very much loves yes. in week 18. The Browns announced Joe Flacco is going to sit. Jeff Driscoll is going to get the start for Cleveland against Cincinnati. PJ Walker is going to be his backup there. And, and dad, we're at that time of year now where we're going to start to have this conversation. Patrick Mahomes isn't going to play for the chargers. Right. Carson Wentz is going to start for the Rams. Sam Darnold's going to be in for Brock Purdy, Tyler Huntley for Lamar Jackson, Where have you fallen on the rest versus rust idea? A lot of this tends to come back to the Baltimore Ravens, who the last time that they were in this position and the last time they chose to rest starters, came back out and promptly laid an egg in the postseason in a way that people were always going to read way too much. And so where are you at in terms of the process of making this decision for teams?
1: Well, I mean, it's twofold here. Uh, One involves two teams the rest. uh, Everybody else is in the same boat of resting quarterbacks. You get a week off. And you're used to that with a bye week, right? But for number one seeds, in this case, San Francisco and Baltimore, you're talking about Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy having two weeks off, two weeks of inactivity. And you do then start to wonder rest versus rust. And you can – whatever you do, you can explain it to why it's an advantage to you. Just like if your bye week's in week six or week 13 – When it happens, you'll explain why it's perfect for your team at that time, even though it may not be. That's what you'll say publicly. And that's what you'll do here. If you're resting Purdy, you know it's two weeks. Oh, he'll be fine. The rest is going to do him well. Lamar Jackson, the rest is going to do him well. The other ones, I don't think it matters, Mike. Like I said, it's a week. It's like another bye week. So I'm not really worried about that situation at all. Quite honestly, Mahomes is used to resting a couple of weeks, right? Because they've always been the number one seed, never had to travel anywhere. Now he only gets a week off and they're going to have to go on the road. I mean, talk about what a difference for them. I I don't mind this at all. I have no, in in such a physical sport where you're nicked up. As I said, we're mentioning all quarterbacks here, but there are other players that should sit, like, just pick Baltimore, Kyle Hamilton. Why would you put him on the field? Why would you put a Ronnie Stanley on the field? Anybody that's nicked, especially with a soft tissue injury, I wouldn't even chance it. I mean, you're playing for the Super Bowl. To be in the Super Bowl, you need to be as healthy as you can when you get to the playoffs. A, you got to be in the playoffs, and then you need to be as healthy as you can. So teams in a position now of being in the
0: playoffs, now your job is to be as healthy as you can while you're in those playoffs. The difference, I think, for Baltimore and the reason why perception-wise, if things were to go badly for them after the break the way they did, it was the Tennessee Titans last time where, and John Harbaugh pointed this out, they moved the ball, they had over 500 yards of offense, they just couldn't get it in the end zone, but for Baltimore right now, Dad, it's not like they just clinched after what was a, a great season top to bottom, They're riding a six-game win streak. They're playing by far their best football right now offensively. Really, I think going back to the Rams, the win streak started against the Bengals. But the game against the Rams where we saw Matthew Stafford and Lamar Jackson dueling in the fourth quarter, to me was where the ascension began to where the MVP became a surefire, a foregone conclusion for Lamar Jackson. Do you worry at all about that Easing back off a little bit. The fact that they were in such a great rhythm offensively, now dealing with this hiatus and having some difficulty on the other side because they've been streaking is the one caveat I would say to this becomes a little bit more difficult. And is there anything to having 19 some odd days without that?
1: And that's what it would be. Like most likely 19 days. I would still go with the rest, Mike. I still would. But these are pros. They have to understand when they come back how they have to play. As Harbaugh mentioned, we did move the ball. We had this yardage, um, so I, I would, and I wouldn't even treat it like a preseason game. Go in and play a couple of series, and then I'll get you out. That what, what, what the hell is that doing? You know, if you sure. do something like that, so I I would disagree in just saying play a little bit and then pull them out. I, I'm I'm all for being healthy. I mean, be look look at last year they had to play without Lamar, and it was Huntley in the in the playoff game against Cincinnati, which I did now. Baltimore did well in that game. It was the, the what, 98 or 99-yard fumble return for a touchdown Cincinnati had yeah. on Huntley fumble uh, that helped them in that game. So I, I, I am all for it. I mean, they're on a good streak right now. They've won six in a row. And by the way, the next two teams that have won the most in a row, Buffalo at four in a row, and Cleveland. Cleveland has the tied for the second-best win streak behind Baltimore. I am still waiting for that. AFC Championship possibility matchup there, which would be unbelievable. Uh, but I'm I'm I have no problem resting these guys and trying to build on the fact that you are professionals and we know how we have to prepare and get ready to play.
0: A hundred percent. And I think Lamar Jackson and the way he's grown, how much older he is now as a player versus that last playoff run and his maturity at the helm of this. And the fact that you're right, injury has been the story and the thing that snake bit this Baltimore team during a lot of their runs towards the end of the season, Lamar Jackson, not finishing the last two seasons, you take health, you get it in there and you move on fully with it. Um, Dad, one last one quick here. We're not going to play the sound, but Devontae Adams threw his support yesterday behind Antonio Pierce to be the next head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. What he represents is something I've heard Dominique Foxworth talk about forever, which is, hey, you don't have a specific side of the ball that you came up as some sort of wonderkin on, but you've got the leadership ability to go ahead and stand in front of a group of men and figure out how to motivate them in adverse situations. He changed the course of their season completely dead. Does it seem like that this is, well, they have to go through the process and they still have to go through all the required portions of the NFL hiring cycle? Michael, it certainly does seem like he's going to get this job there and that the task is then going to become, how do you get the coordinators underneath him to give him a chance to succeed?
1: I agree. And we know Antonio Pierce was a linebacker. He's a defensive guy, you know, with, without question. But no more in this situation, you're right for how he corralled this team. Now, they were ripe to be corralled after the Josh McDaniel stuff, yeah. right, where there was just so much discourse and dislike that went on there. That you thought it would be a positive experience, and listen, four and four, I think it's pretty good. No, do we expect eight? No, I mean they, they're just not. I sit there and say not talented enough. You have the leading rusher last year in Jacobs and one of the best receivers, if not the best, in Devonte Adams. But you ended up starting a rookie quarterback in a lot of this, and Aiden O'Connell, not a guy who was a first rounder either. Where you said you know the reins are going to be his. They're trying to figure out who the quarterback is going to be. Because of the way he 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 has been coaching for a while and, and and helps lead this team, I I hope he gets the job. I think he would deserve to have the chance with this team instead of bringing someone new in and now again bringing all new assistants in and changing you know the type of offense and defense you run. I am all for bringing him back and seeing where you can build this team.
0: Yeah, I I I think it's. It's one thing to go vibes-based, and we see this in college where the team loves the interim guy and you go on this hot streak for a couple of games and then you make that thing, decision where you pull the interim tag off and it all goes to hell. You're right, they have had some adversity. It hasn't all been perfect here, but he's still shown the leadership ability and the capabilities that I think should matter a lot more in the way that we talk about these head coaching jobs than traditionally ends up being the case. Oh, dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jaegermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jaegermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York.
2: Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. So we talked about this earlier in the show. On Saturday, the Texans and Colts are going to square off in a regular season finale Going to determine which team gets a playoff spot, blah, 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 lots of scenarios. Colts wide receiver Alec Pierce, he is ready, okay? He was a crucial part of the Colts' latest victory over the Raiders. And he stopped by to catch up with Gojo about a myriad of things, all kinds of things. His season, the Colts' playoff push, the you know teams in the NFL that he feels he could make an impact on. It's not what you think. Let's hear it.
4: All right. Very
0: excited. Alec Pierce joining us now. Colts second year wide out. Proud Cincinnati Bearcat alum. Uh, Taking some time coming off a big win for you guys this past weekend, Alex. So how are we feeling right now on uh, what I guess is a victory Tuesday at this point as of the recording here?
4: Yeah, we're feeling good. You know, moved right on to Houston. Uh, we got a quick turnaround here Saturday game. So just getting prepared, getting ready for that biggest game of the year.
0: And I want to get to that. You guys have a real win-in-your-in scenario. It's such a far cry from where you were last year as a rookie with this team and everything going on. But I'd be remiss as a journalist if I didn't ask you this question, Alec, coming off of some of the debate we've seen around the NFL world. After the Rashad Mendenhall tweet, did the concept of the all-white NFL team make its way into the locker room discussion for you guys in Indianapolis?
4: Uh, yeah, a little, little bit, you know, I think talked i've heard some things go around you know and yes yeah, so I, I i love that topic it's pretty funny hearing people talk about the teams and, and who would win and whatnot so it's all good stuff
0: do you believe you should be a starter on the all-white team in this wide receiver
4: room i believe i think you know i think there's there's not a lot of vertical threats at the white at the white position so or white wide receiver position so i think i definitely added an aspect to that the team um so i think i'm definitely definitely out there
0: there we go. I was going to say Alec Pierce is our deep threat. I like our odds here in that white wide <laughs> receiver room. So, and you put that on full display this weekend, your lar- uh, longest touchdown pass mm. as a pro, the 58-yarder. Uh take us through that. The play call on that one pivotal for you guys. There a great throw from Gardner. What was the idea going into that?
4: Yeah, it was a great play call, you know, it's third and 1. Um and we kind of knew two different looks they might give us and might go post safety out there. Just, you know, simple post um post by outside receiver with the tight end run a sale route concept um you know hard play fake play action so it's you know basically those two pie with just a running back out to the flat um but they told me all week they said hey you know there's either gonna be a high safety and if there's a high safety you know run your route try and try and get your corner to go with you and take the safety and then that that sale's gonna be open but they said there's a look on film where they have no one high and if they have no one high you can kind of take it across the whole field so i actually had a post route on there but I was really ran it more like a you know like a deep cross or something kind of ran across the field and beautiful ball ball by Gardner um was able to kind of throw through a little bit of context a really impressive throw um you know just good play call really well he executed uh picked up all the blitz and stuff like that so nicely done no
0: it was uh awesome to watch and and, and really great insight from you on just what goes into making a play like that and how specific things that you guys see end up translating into a huge moment for Mm. you and your team. And it puts you guys in this position like we talked about where it's winning you're in against Houston. There's a bunch of different permutations of where you guys can end up seeding wise based on some other results. But in general for you, how different is the vibe around the building right now with those stakes in mind versus where you were this time last year on a team that ended up four and 12?
4: Oh, yeah, it's completely different. I mean, you know, this is this is what everyone's goal is in the beginning of the year. Um, you know, you wanna play meaningful football d- down the stretch, you wanna be fighting for playoff spots, you wanna have a chance to kind of extend your season. So um, this is just this is just exa- exactly what we were looking for in the off season. Um, you know, so the energy's up, uh, we're ready to go. We're trying to have the best week of preparation, um, you know, just to get ready.
0: And what's been the biggest change that's allowed you guys to get here in your mind?
4: Um, it's a great, it's a good question. I think, you know, I think just as a team, kind of, we, we, we step back and we reassess things and, you know, I think we just got better with, you know, just taking it day by day and trying to get better in practice. Um, and then just, you know, just trying to all elevate our individual, you know, games and then work together as a team and, you know, just trying, you know, we were in a ton of close games last year, just, you know, just didn't finish him. So I think you just, new coaching staff comes in, just change some things up and, you know, just go from there.
0: What was that message? You mentioned Shane Steichen comes over fresh off of a trip to the Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's an offensive-minded guy. So for you, especially in this wide receiver room, what was that change like? What was the biggest difference for you personally and how you approached the job with this new staff?
4: Um, I think it was, it, we, re, we had really defined roles this year. I think that was probably the biggest difference, you know. I kind of know exactly what's expected of you. Um, they laid it out for us. They said, this is what we want you to do, and this is how we're going to win, uh, and you're going to do this to help us win in that way. So kind of think it's just kind of clear-cut defined, like, what they want us to do, what they need us to do, um, and just kind of went from there.
0: And what was that definition for you and your role, and how have you seen it play out this season?
4: Yeah, they, they, for me, they said, you know, they, they really wanted me to be a vertical threat, um, you know, run a ton of deep balls. Um, and then, you know, I got to just I've been trying to step up this year as a blocker, um, kind of fill that void block for a lot of like the underneath stuff. We run a lot of like RPO games, stuff like that, bubble screens. So, yeah, I tried to try to be my best in that, too
0: and so you've got that role going into the year but as we know you guys went into the season with one quarterback and anthony richardson who is the top overall draft pick for you guys and then unfortunately he's injured and gardner Minshew steps in what's it like navigating that change now with a quarterback that you knew there has it been on the team certainly but wasn't the starter Hmm. going into the season
4: yeah um i think i think the transition went pretty well i think You know, we had a ton of reps with him in OTAs, obviously. And then even during camp for the first few weeks, like they were rotating him and Anthony. So, um, you know, I think the transition went pretty well. Uh, And, you know, it's just credit to him. Like he was, he was always ready each week. Um, He was doing a great job with Anthony, kind of like being a leader, getting him ready for the games too, in that that sense. And I think that just all played into him. Like when, when he got the opportunity to come in, I think he was ready to go. He sees the moment. and yeah, he's just a he's a winner. He's a competitor. He's a guy that we we trust him back there.
0: You guys trust him. We on the outside see a lot of the jorts in the R V stuff there. How much of that actually is in the day to day with Gardner Minshew?
4: Oh man, I don't know if I've seen any jorts uh so far this year. He might he might still be wearing shorts sometimes, though it's cold outside. And yeah, he's he's a real chill guy. He's a cool guy. It's exactly kind of how like he is portrayed. Just very down to earth guy and you know, interesting guy too.
0: Uh, interesting to say the least, sir. Jacksonville's very own uh, showing out there. It, <laughs> we mentioned, and you guys are just getting into the beginning of the week, but Houston, obviously a team you know very well in the division. Uh, you know, going up against a team that you guys see multiple time here. What is the biggest challenge in, in going out and trying to get the job done with them?
4: Um, I think it, I think it comes down to us. You know, it just obviously they're going to know they're going to know us, our personnel. They're going to know a lot of our players, They've watched a lot of film on us. They've played us before. So it just comes down to us, you know, really getting dialed in, ready to execute the plays perfectly because, um, like I said, they're going to have us well scouted. We're going to have them well scouted. So just it, it, it more so, I think, becomes on just your execution and trying to be the best you can be.
0: Well, it's critical, meaningful football down the stretch of the regular season. Like you said, it's exactly what you hope for when you sign up and when you get into this league here, and uh, now it's exactly where you are. So congratulations, Alec, on all the success, man. Really excited to watch you guys continue this season, and uh, best of luck. Hopefully we're talking playoffs soon for the Colts. Yeah, thank you. That smirk on his face was all I needed when I asked him about the (laughs) all-white team debate to know that that had absolutely taken over locker rooms across this country on that following day. And he's absolutely right. We lack a vertical threat. Alec Pierce, former high school volleyball player, by the way, perfectly suited to go run and jump and try and get us the rock.
1: Absolutely, that that that's red zone fade written all over it, no doubt about it. So yeah, I I would have loved to had a microphone in a lot of those locker rooms uh, to hear what the discussions were then. But uh, you know what what a game, you know what what a game they get now uh, with with the permutations of getting into the playoffs here. So you know, as we mentioned earlier, they they played the Texans, beat them thirty one to twenty back way back in week two. Uh, But, again, different players scoring different touchdowns that aren't there anymore. So we'll see how this one ends up.
0: Yeah, sort of did the uh, uh, Kevin Stefanski light here. Shane Steichen in year one dealing with the quarterback they drafted in the top of the first round being injured and still having a chance for the playoff. Pretty impressive.
2: Welcome back to GoJo and Golik. Wednesday night was a rough one for the Lakers. They were blown off their home court, one hundred and ten to ninety-six, dropping their record to 17-18 on the season. So since winning the in-season tournament, the Lakers are three and nine. They fall into the number ten spot in the Western Conference seedings. Things are not going the Lakers' way. Here is Anthony Davis in the aftermath.
3: They say too many turnovers. Man. We had ten in the first quarter. Our attention to detail it's not good. Um, it's a team who plays hard no matter who's playing, play the right way. And, uh, you know, we can't dig ourselves a hole. You know, we didn't shoot it great at all. And, um, you know, I think the biggest thing just has for defensively is just our attention to detail. It's, it's not good, not high enough to you know, win basketball games right now.
2: Guys, Anthony Davis led the Lakers with 29 points. Austin Reeves adding 24. LeBron only scored 12, his lowest total of the season. So what do we think? Should we hit the panic button here?
0: Uh, probably not because it's still the middle of the NBA season. This generally tended to be the time where in years past and for so long, January we would kind of yeah. be the blow up month where LeBron James yes. would inevitably start sending some passive aggressive messages. Yeah. And they would trade a bunch of guys at the deadline and do all that. It does seem like we've sort of sunsetted that model for LeBron in recent years, just because you know, he's not the player that he once was. He's still great. Don't get me wrong, but we know we're not dealing with full, Fledged LeBron James anymore. And I believe he was coming off. He had been designated with a non COVID illness. So still kind of working his way back from that. But it's kind of the same problem the Lakers have had, Dad. There's not a ton of three point shooting on this team from what we've seen. Anthony Davis did play really well in this one. Like he looked dominant out there. But besides that, there just wasn't a lot of other help to come by.
1: Listen, before the tournament, during the tournament, remember, because. All the tournament games until the semis and the finals were regular season games anyway, so it's not like you were playing more. You played two extra here. They were hovering around the 9-10 line anyway, right? It's not like they were two or three in the conference and all of a sudden just, you know, it just turned belly up since the tournament was over. They're sitting there battling Golden State right now for the 10th slot, and that's right around where they've been. So it's not like they've been much better than where they are right now. And how much are we putting on two extra games? Again, I didn't play basketball. I played football. There were 16 games, now 17. And basketball, there's 82, and you're asking them, they're playing a couple extra during – the season, so maybe you see something right out of the gate, like you saw the Pacers, who they played in the finals. They were like one in four in their first five games after, but now they've won six of their next eight. Now they have younger stars on that team that they're relying on, uh, obviously, than the older players like LeBron and Anthony Davis. So I don't know how much I, I put this on the the uh, the in-season tournament saying, oh, man, you know, we're going to get to the point now of nobody wants to win the par three at the Masters because you never win the Masters. So now nobody wants to win the uh, in-season tournament because look what happens to the teams after. I don't think we're there. I don't think that's going to happen by any stretch. I just think this is a team that's where they are right now is where they've been through the year.
0: Yeah, I I think you're right. I mean, we're not going to do anything like that. This is just a team that has a, a... specific or a slimmer margin for victory because of the style they play. They're second to last in the NBA in terms of three point attempts. um, I believe on a per game basis, like they just, they don't shoot a lot from three. They're not a great percentage team from three. And so you're always going to have to win tighter contested contests. And, for a team that is still kind of figuring out its identity coming off of last year, which is a great run down the backstretch of the season and trying to replicate that consistently, that's going to be more difficult. And we've always talked about it through the lens of LeBron James navigating the transition that was supposed to happen for him and Anthony Davis. I do think it's an interesting juncture to kind of look at. Cause I heard this come up on the other side in that game last night. And the broadcast crew was talking about Kevin Love who plays for the Miami heat about how, this guy who used to be a guy with a this is sports center commercial you know he was a walking double double he was a part of uh, so many great teams And they said now his role keeps getting smaller and smaller. And they said he just keeps showing up and he keeps finding a way to impact the game. And he keeps accepting that. And I heard this from Klay Thompson last night, who's also been dealing with a really down year for a Golden State Warriors team that's struggling. And we had seen some frustration with Klay Thompson in the media. And I thought this was really interesting. Klay Thompson talking about a conversation he had with Steve Kerr that kind of reframed the way that he thought about this.
3: Well, Steve and I had actually a great conversation yesterday, and uh, that helped me relax a lot. Sometimes I forget just how successful and how lucky I've been to be a part of championship teams and all-star games and gold medals. When you want to get back to that level so badly, you can kind of get in your own way. And rather than forcing it, we had a conversation about just enjoying this last chapter of my career, and how lucky I truly am to still be playing this game, doing it at a high level, and being a better mentor for the young guys, leading by example, having my energy right every game. And he helped me realize, if I do have negative energy, how that affects the team in a poor manner. So we had a great conversation, that just helped me change my whole mindset
0: dad i think this is remarkable and, and sends a message on a couple levels number one it's a good reminder that what lebron james is doing is completely outside of its mind no one should yeah. be that good for that long right based on the way that you know he should be physically atrophying but on the other side it's how difficult it is a window into what it's like for a star athlete to all of a sudden have to take the ego hit when you are not on tape and not feeling like yourself anymore at this point in your career
1: Listen, he's, he's averaging under 20 points for the first time since the 2014-15 season. He's at under 17 points right now. And, and this, while I played a long time in the NFL, this is, I, I can't really relate. I, I guess on some way I can as someone who knows what your ability is and when that ability starts to go down. He was a superstar, and then it starts to go down. For me, it was I had the ability to play for a while in the NFL, and when that ability starts to go down, then I'm out of the NFL to where the stars, when their ability comes down, they're still in the profession they're in, but they're not what they were. And that's got to be a hard pill to swallow, and you're the man, and he and, and, and uh, obviously Curry were, were the guys, right? And, and to be that, and for, this goes for any guy that's the, the star, and when you play long enough and he's 33 years old and it starts to diminish, and the thing about it is is physically you see it, but mentally it's tough to accept, right? Because athletes can be the truest of what's going on because we live, as I said earlier, by, by the tape that we have to watch of ourselves, whether it's practice or a game to say, okay, I can't do what I normally did. Physically, I see that. But mentally, you still have that. But you know what? Next time, I'll, I'll be what I was. Next time, I'll be what well, I was.
0: You say that mentally, yeah. but then physically, it's just not there. It's your relationship with the game at that point. Clay's relationship has been I'm one of the Splash Brothers. I am vital right. to this team's success. Yep. And when I am playing well, we're winning championships. We're one of the dynasties right now. And you're right. For a guy that's a, a role player, or a backup, that's your relationship with the game. You know, I got these limited spots to impact that. You're used to that ebb and flow. And then it's trying to navigate life after that. Clay Thompson, it is a version of like ego death inside of his basketball career right now, where he is saying, hey, my relationship with the game and with this team has changed drastically. And that's why when they brought that up with Kevin Love on that broadcast, I kind of stopped and marinated with it for a second. That's an incredibly difficult thing from like a higher order need place to try yeah. and figure out for players that have to have egos to succeed. How do I corral it to still be a really good teammate, which is an important part of the job? Huge, because we I think
1: sometimes we see – great athletes and look at their physical attributes and like, oh, my God, and forget about the mental side of it. And right there you saw it, and Clay is aware enough and Steve Kerr, you know, a, a good enough coach to be able to explain that situation and say, hey, this is where you are, and I know sometimes you don't like it, but you can negatively affect the team, and that's what it's about. It's about team. Steve Kerr was right. Clay Thompson bought in.
0: And and I remember Mark Slareth always told the story about how one time he was watching tape, the old uh, NFL offensive lineman saying, man, that guy stinks out there and realizing, oh my God, that was him. And then everyone gets to make the decision. Do I want to try and figure out how to stick around or am I going to be done once I am no longer the player I believe myself to be? All right, guys, time to finish off the show where we always do this, that, and the third. Three quick stories send you off into the rest of the day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us, leave us a five-star rating, and check us out here live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKingsNetwork.com. The YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, and more, tell a friend. And if you can't get to it live and you miss some of our great guests like Colt Wide Receiver Alec Pierce, make sure you get us wherever you get your podcast or right here available on the YouTube channel as soon as we are done. Uh, guys, let's get to this, that and the third on start off with this. Thankfully, uh, good news and safe news yeah. here as Tyreek Hill and his family dealt with a fire uh, at his home in Southwest ranches in Florida. The fire department was called to his home around 150 uh, around 150 p.m. in the afternoon. People were home, but everyone was evacuated safety. He left practice early to go home and be with his family. And uh, dad, it is a stark reminder that these guys have lives well away from the football field, and that there are things way more important. So we're certainly glad that everyone's all right. Oh,
1: I mean, certainly glad everybody is okay. And, and yeah, I mean, and that's something. Listen, <clears throat> you can sit there and explain it to fans that are watching, but they're gonna, you know, that normally they turn on a game every Sunday and watch a guy play football, and that's it. They don't know him personally but yeah we all, they all have lives we all had lives you know we had you know wives and or, or girlfriends or families or or even if you were single you had family you know I you know with obviously your mom and then kids you and Jay came along while I was still playing so you deal with all of the regular things there now of course Tyreek kill a, a fire can devastate people from a property standpoint you know, he'll he'll get it fixed. He has the money to take care of his family to go somewhere else. But there were people in the house. You can't replace people. You know, so, I mean, that is that is just like everybody else. I know everybody says, well, athletes or, or entertainers different because you have the money to do all this. Money doesn't buy people's lives. So, I mean, that, that's a scary situation. I imagine he went flying out of that development or out of that facility where he was to get home. Uh, to make sure everybody was okay. What a, what a scary moment that had to be, and, and, and that your right, you said it, the most important thing, that everybody was okay. That's the line that sticks. Fire, damaged property, we know he's gonna, can be okay with all that. People were in the home. I mean, that's the line where you go, oh, God, you know, it, did everybody get out, and as you mentioned, everybody did get out safely because that's got to be terrifying if you hear that. And you know you had family members
2: in the house. I think that's like a recurring thing that I think about regularly is like, what would I do if there was a fire? Or what would I do if like, you know, when you have those like waking daydreams where you're like, what would my first action be? And you think about it all the time. And so it's scary that he had to go through something like that. But like you said, everybody's okay. So that's all that matters.
0: Yeah. My waking daydream is always the zombie apocalypse. So I was going to say, was it fighting a bear
2: or something? That's the guy one.
0: No, No, Jesse,
1: dude, I mean, dude always is talking about the apocalypse and and the zombie apocalypse. And does he have enough weapons around the house uh, to take care of him in close quarter, hand-to-hand combat? You know what
2: I'm doing if the zombie apocalypse hits? I'm shooting everybody I love and then myself. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. You have no competitive desire?
2: No, I don't want to. Why would you want to live in the post-zombie apocalypse world? What is good Competition. about Competition. No. I want my family to go peacefully. They'll have no idea it's coming, and then I'll join them.
0: I want wow. winners. Why? So I want people up. who want to win.
2: Yeah. 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 I don't yeah. want to live in the post-zombie apocalypse world where every day you wake up and you it's just a constant adrenaline battle of, am I going to... Freaking die today. No thank you.
1: Boy, Mike, you don't want you don't want Jesse in your foxhole. You'll end up with one in the back of the head.
2: Yeah, and you'll never <laughs> see it. I was gonna coming. say, Jesse's gonna old hell my ass. Yeah, but guess what? Jesse. You'll never see it coming. You'll just go to sleep, sweet baby. Go to sleep. <laughs>
0: Goodbye, sweet summer child. Uh, let's get away from the thought of Jesse ending me before the mushroom oh zombies my God. do. And celebrate the Pro Bowl in the NFL, Jesse. Yes. We got people that are very good at football that are now being rewarded for for it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Pro Bowl teams have been announced very exciting. Brock Purdy voted his first ever appearance. He got the most votes from fans, was named as the starting QB for the NFC, and he's one of nine San Fran players to be named the most from any team in the NFL. Ravens, Cowboys, each had seven selections. Yeah, Brock Purdy, like I said, you got two on the AFC side. Patriots with zero Pro Bowlers for the first time since 2000. (laughs) Where, where,
0: where. I can say, wow. speaking of other first times, it's the first time two starting quarterbacks <laughs> are first-time picks since the 1999 season with Tua Tungavailoa and Brock Purdy both making it. That's since Hall of Famers Peyton Manning and Kurt Warner were chosen back in 99. So, uh, Dad, you know what? This is like a good moment, <laughs> I think, to take stop because we've had the most toxic Brock Purdy discussions imaginable on yeah. this site and on shows and everywhere else. This is right where he belongs. Like, Brock Purdy making the Pro Bowl? Cool. The MVP conversation was always a little bit too far out. Over at skis for my liking, but this is exactly where he belongs. It's a great reward and a reminder. This guy was the last pick in the draft, and making it to this point is pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, it is. And he probably won't play in it (laughs) uh, because he'll be playing in the Super Bowl (laughs) the way it looks right now. So we'll see. What's interesting is people keep saying, Where's Josh Allen in the MVP conversation? He's not even on the Pro Bowl team. The starter is Tua, the backup is Lamar Jackson. And what surprised me, I thought Lamar might be the starter, but Tua is the starter. And we'll see it all change as people decline to go. And then there's always a question, do you like it being in Orlando now? Because it used to be in Hawaii forever. And my thought is it depends. If you have kids then you don't mind Orlando because you can go ahead and get yourself a guide at Disney World, backdoor all the rides and have a ball. Like when we were at ESPN doing our, you know, when you were younger, ESPN the weekend, and me and, and your, your mom would take you three down there, and we'd get guides and get to backdoor rides. It was, oh, my God, you, you felt guilty jump in the lines, but that's what all these guys can do. If you're younger and single or not married, you'd you'd sure as hell probably rather still be in Hawaii than Orlando quite honestly.
0: or Vegas like it was last year any of the number of permutations of this you'd probably take but like you said there's advantages to everything shout out to the six Notre Dame players that made it Kyle Hamilton Kyron Williams getting the nod Zach Martin and Quentin Nelson no surprise Julian Love also there as well and as David Hellman pointed out Zach Martin on pace to finish this season with as many holding flags one as Pro Bowl selections which means the best stat in football for Zach's career in more Pro Bowls than holding penalties still holding strong still the only thing that we can count on but now we got to get to the third because yeah. Jesse, we've got controversy surrounding mayonnaise, which means we need to weigh in. And the Kelsey brothers have apparently popped off shots at mm. my friends at the Duke's Mayo Bowl.
2: Yeah. So Travis Kelsey believes that there is a mayonnaise conspiracy afoot. Here's his take from the new heights pod where he explains how we're being bamboozled.
1: Oh my God. Ah, that's, not that's, thick, that's not a thick. That's not a fake mayo. That's fake mayo so that's That's what i said the the viscosity of this is way too that's watered down mayo what jason said yeah that's not as right that's not as i don't need we
3: don't need to revisit that sound real mayonnaise would have been way grosser that's yellow paint that's not mayo
2: okay so both brothers in on the conspiracy first of all i love that jason was like the viscosity and travis was like yeah what he said and then just made a weird noise (laughs) um yes (laughs) Ah, So, their theory here is that it's not real mayonnaise. Obviously, Gojo, you're our mayonnaise expert, so what say you?
0: yeah this is uh people wandering into a domain as newcomers uh i live here so let me explain how the house works right now yes it's watered down mayonnaise because if you remember in year right. one that i was a part of there they went for the mayonnaise dump when shane beamer the head coach of south carolina was was there and almost knocked him out mayonnaise is incredibly heavy to put enough mayonnaise in a put- in a thing to dump it on a coach at that height and the angles that you need puts them in danger and so yeah you gotta water it down for a little bit for tv that's showbiz baby they're both entertainers they should understand that at this point so yes it is a little bit watered down but make no mistake dad that is sweet rich duke's mayonnaise at the heart of it all
1: yeah, I, I think Jason Kelsey said it right when he said that's watered down. That was it right there. And then and then Travis started going that's paint, it's not real. And and his brother should have asked him to spell viscosity to see if he could do it. Uh, but obviously that didn't happen. I couldn't do that. Uh, so th- then they went down the road of it not even being mayonnaise. It, but I think Jason was right, and obviously you are. You were there. It's watered down mayonnaise, but mayonnaise
0: nonetheless.
2: I just spelled viscosity how... and I did spell it right. So just want nice. everyone to know that.
0: Travis definitely couldn't do that, but I can tell you what's definitely going to happen now. Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, the Mayo Dumpers at next year's Duke's Mayo Bowl. What if I told you they were a mastermind and now you're mine? Uh, All right. Thanks so much. Have a great one. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.